Well, it doesn't get any more simpler than that, right? That was a nice kind of like, let's take a breath here. Um, hey, if you're new with us here at Journey of Faith, my name is Jason Cusick. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to say hi to everybody here at Manhattan Beach. Uh, hi to everybody at our uh, Torrance campus where we're connected with live. And um, if you're watching online, thanks for joining us. I'm really excited. Today, we're starting a five-week series that I've been wanting to share for quite a while. We're calling it Simple Faith. And in this series, we're going to be asking this question. What would it take for me to live a real Christian life? Sometimes we have this question in our mind, like, what what does it mean to be a real Christian? Now, if we're not careful, we'll be tempted to answer that question by measuring things like church attendance, or do I pray the right way or this often, or am I reading the Bible in this way, or am I doing these things and not doing these things, or maybe it's what social group I am involved with or what political group I'm involved with. But all of those measurements might be actually tracking our religious legalism because the Christian faith is a lot more simple than that. The Christian faith is really based around this word, freedom. So we're going to be looking at this, and a way to look at this idea of what it means to have a simple faith, we're going to go section by section through a book of the New Testament called Galatians. And uh, this book of the New Testament is actually a letter written by Paul, one of Christianity's first missionaries, to Christians living in an area of the first century called Galatia. Here's a map of it. You might recognize some of these uh, ancient cities uh, that are still landmarks. You can go to them today. This is actually modern-day Turkey. And what was happening was uh, Paul had started churches in this area of Galatia with a very simple faith in Jesus And then because some religious leaders came in, they started adding to it and complicating this faith. And it ended up turning into something that Jesus never intended. So Paul writes this letter to kind of clear things up. And what I want to encourage you to do over the next five weeks is I'd like you to read this letter on your own. It's this letter in the New Testament. I got this little icon here. If you don't have this app on your phone, this is a really good Bible app that has a lot available. You can download that and get that. If you want to read it on your phone, you can do that. If you have a physical Bible, you can mark Galatians with your bookmark or dog ear the page. If you don't have a physical Bible and you want to read from a physical Bible, uh, you can go to our connections area after the service right outside and we have a physical Bible that we can give you so that you can read this through. And what I want you to do is I want you to read it through like you would read a letter. Just read it all the way through just to get the the main idea of what's being said. Maybe you read it a couple of times all the way through and then go back and maybe a little bit each week, just read a section. Maybe write down what you think it's saying, maybe a summary. You can have some questions that you could jot down. And then when we get together on Sundays, that'll add to our collective experience of going through this letter together. So just as a way to kind of get in, let's just get into this letter. Let's see what it says. It starts off like any letter with kind of a generic greeting. Here's what it says in the first part of Galatians. He says, this letter is from Paul, 
an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. He says, all the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. And then he says this, Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father had planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever, amen. This is what Christianity is all about. That's a simple faith. Jesus gave his life for our sins to rescue us from this world. God planned it. And then all glory to God. It means God gets the credit, not us. And, and God be the glory. That's another way of saying, let's live in a way that, that, that honors God because of what Jesus did. That's a simple faith right up front in this letter. Isn't it interesting how simple things can become so complicated, right? Just in our life, that happens all the time. Things start simple and then they get complicated. Like my streaming services, for example. So I got, I got Hulu, right? Great streaming service, right? I'm like, oh, this is great. I have a bunch of programs, some movies available. I got Hulu. And a little while afterward, they're like, you know, you got Hulu, but do you have the bundle? And they're like, you could bundle, you can get Hulu and Disney Plus and ESPN Plus. You just, and I was like, well, I just had Hulu, but if you think I should bundle it, then I, I guess I bundle it. So I, so I bundle it, and then they're like, you know what you should get is you should get some add-ons because there's a lot of other channels that you can get too and you can get them in another language also. And so you like this, you like this, and we started adding on, and now it's getting so complicated. And then finally, I go back to the homepage, and this is the homepage, you got this, you got this, you got all the pictures and stuff you get, here's another deal that you can get for this amount of time. It just, I said, what happened to just the simple uh, Hulu? What, what just, it was so simple. And then I realized after I thought about this, I don't even know what the word Hulu even means, you know? <laughs> I looked up the word, you know, I found out what the word Hulu means. Hulu is actually a Mandarin word that means the, the holder of a few precious things. Literally, it means a gourd. And the idea is you hollow out the gourd and then you put a few precious things in it. Ironically, Hulu is not the holder of a few precious things. Hulu is the holder of a bunch of stuff that I don't even watch. It starts simple and then it gets complicated and that's in our world and you know what, we do the same thing with religion. What starts as a simple faith in Jesus quickly turns into Jesus plus, <laughs> right? Here's Jesus and all these other things. You love Jesus and you gotta listen to this music, read these books, go to this conference and don't dress like this. You should dress like this. You gotta vote for these people and you definitely don't do these things over here. And suddenly it gets complicated and it moves us away from the simplicity of what is intended with Jesus. Here's our main idea for today. We can follow Jesus best by holding strongly to a simple faith. How do we do that? 
Let's look at what Paul said to the Galatians. And I want to show you a couple of ways that Paul talks about having a simple faith. And I'm going to nerd out a little bit on some of the background and some of the history because it'll help us understand Galatians. And strap in because based on what I said at our service right before this, um, there's an opportunity for each and every one of you to be offended in some way. So here's what Paul says. He says, I'm shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. He's shocked. You can see the emotions. In fact, when you read through Galatians, he's not just shocked. He's really ticked. Now, why is he so emotional? Because Paul started all of these churches in the area of Galatia. He gave them a simple faith in Jesus, and then he packed up to go start churches in other areas. And while he was away, some very conservative religious people came in, and they said, oh, you've got Jesus? You know what you need now? Jesus plus. And they started adding all of these things. And the people in Galatia were really confused. So they were like, well, I guess we got to start doing all these additional things in order to be a real Christian. And so Paul writes him this letter. He says, not only am I shocked, but here's what I have to say. He said, you're following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Now, who are these people who came in and were talking Jesus plus? Well, let me give you a little background here. Christianity actually started as a messianic uh, Jewish faith movement. Jesus, when he came into the world, was born into the Jewish people group and was a Jewish man living in the first century in Jewish culture. The first followers of Jesus, including Paul, who wrote this letter, were Jewish. That means they followed Jesus, but they ate kosher. And they didn't work on Saturdays. And they followed Jewish law. And the men were circumcised, which is a body modification ritual that was a symbol that they are part of the family of faith dating all the way back to Abraham. So these were Jewish men and women who were followers of Jesus. So when Jesus is getting ready to leave, he commissions them to go tell people about his message of God's love and forgiveness. And he sends them off with this commission. He says this, Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Now, when Jesus said this to them, he included a word that would have thrown them a bit. He includes this word, nations. If Jesus said this quote in Hebrew, that word is the Hebrew word, goyim. It means, go to the non-Jews and teach them to obey. The earliest copies of the New Testament we have are written in Greek. In Greek, that word is ethnos. He's telling his Jewish disciples to go teach non-Jewish ethnicities how to follow Jesus who was Jewish. So you can imagine in the first century, these Jewish disciples had this question in their mind. How Jewish 
should non-Jewish followers of Jesus be? If I'm gonna go teach people to follow Jesus, should they also eat kosher? Should the men trim their beards? Should the women continue to have their heads covered? Should I tell them not to work on Saturdays? If a man who is non-Jewish comes to Jesus, should he get circumcised? These are the questions they had. So Paul starts the churches in Galatians and he says, I'm gonna tell you about Jesus and I'm gonna teach you how to follow Jesus, but I'm not gonna... I'm not requiring you to have any Jewish rituals, any Jewish traditions, any Jewish holy days. This is you and Jesus. This is the simple faith that I'm teaching you. So what Paul is saying to Galatians is what God is saying to us. It's the first way that we can follow Jesus with a simple faith, and it's this. Believe the good news without those add-ons. What is this good news? Paul already wrote it, and we just read it. Here's the good news. Jesus gave his life for our sins. God planned it. Him coming rescues us from this evil world, and we should give credit to God, not ourselves. That's the simple gospel, the simple good news. The problem is, we go, yeah, but there's also some other add-ons. This is what we do as religious people. Why? Where do these add-ons come from? Here's, here's a few places. One, tradition. Well, this is the way my parents taught me to follow Jesus. This is the way our culture does it. This is the way our church has done it for 50 years. Sometimes we're raised with tradition and culture, sometimes culture in certain parts of the country. Like not even all Americans follow Jesus in the same way. Depending on where you were raised, what traditions were there. Now, I think it's great to honor tradition, honor relatives, honor how your church has done things over the years. That's wonderful. But once we start saying that's essential to following Jesus, and if you're not doing these traditions, you're not really following Jesus, that's when it twists what Jesus' message is. Here's another place it comes from. Preferences. This is when we have specific things that mean a lot to us and then we kind of impose it on other people like it's part of following Jesus or when they don't do it, we're surprised and then we start thinking they might not be a real Christian. You don't listen to the fish? Are you, are you not a real Christian? Wait, you don't like hymns? Are you even a Christian? You're wearing that to church? Are you a... Wait, when you study the Bible, you don't use an inductive method and sentence diagramming? Are you even a Christian? It's October, and you didn't watch the new season of The Chosen, and you're going to celebrate Halloween? Are you even a Christian? Did I offend everybody at some point in there? I mean, there's, some, there's something for everyone, okay? We 
We have these preferences we have, and we put them, now it's, it's fine to have preferences. It's fine to have convictions. But when we start associating that with what the gospel is, we're twisting it. Here's another place it comes from, fear. I've got to do these things or else God will be disappointed in me. I have to not do these things because if I do them, then that means I'm not a, a Christian. That's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about how Jesus came to rescue us from this evil world, and then we live for God. We let God transform our hearts, and then we live for God. But we all have add-ons. We all have things that we kind of Jesus plus it, right? And it's our job to do this. Identify and eliminate one way that you've added something unnecessary to the good news of Jesus. Maybe you have a carryover from your tradition. You're like, well, this is how I grew up. I better do this. If I don't do this, I'm not a real Christian. But it's not actually the gospel. It's just how you were raised. Maybe you're like, I was taught to pray this way. And that way to pray isn't working anymore. And you're kind of like, well, I can't give that up because that's, that's the tradition. Maybe it's a preference. You have a particular thing that you have a preference toward and you kind of expect everybody to have that same preference. Or maybe it's fear. I'll tell you one it is. I'll tell you an add-on for me. When I first became a Christian, um, I was taught a very specific timeline about how the end of the world would come about. So I was taught the basics of the faith, but I was also taught, here's how the end of the world will play out. Here's the scriptures that line up with it. If you read the Bible correctly, here's how the end of the world is going to play out. And I was like, okay, I even used it in evangelism. I was like, hey, you need to come to Jesus. Why? Because here's the timeline of events that will happen according to the Bible. Then, as I grew in my faith, I realized not all Christians believe that specific timeline. Christians have different views about the end of the world and the end of time and the coming of Jesus. Now, some of you are like, which timeline are you talking about? Is that the one I have? Is that the one I've been taught? Well, we actually did a whole series on this called Get Ready uh, back in 2020. 22 when the world was going to end. Remember when the world was going to end in 2022? Or was it 2021? I don't know. The world was going to end in the last five years or so. It's going to end every year. So every time, I, every time a news story hits, I get ramped up with this thing. I go, wait a minute, hold on. That's an add-on. And it's okay to have additional beliefs. It's okay to have some added ideas that we're learning. But it's not the core of the faith. Let me, let me make this point here. Simple faith does not equal shallow faith. Let me clarify that. See, we all want to grow deeper in our faith. We want to grow deeper in our faith. And we all have traditions and practices and maybe preferences that help us grow deeper. The challenge we have is what helps me grow deeper might not be what helps you grow deeper. But here's what we tend to do as religious people. We take our interest and then we go, oh, I'm really into this. I'm into this kind of preaching. I'm into this kind of Bible study method. I'm into this kind of prayer. I'm into spiritual warfare. We have whatever we're into and then we idolize it. And we say, this doesn't just go help me go deeper. This is what should help Christians go deeper. And so we move from our interest to our idol and then we isolate and we say, we over here at this table 
are going deeper. And then we kind of inflate ourselves and we go, we're going deeper and you are in a simple faith. And good for you, we're going deeper. But again, the opposite of simple is, is not deep. The opposite of simple is complicated. A simple faith recognizes that there are some core beliefs that we can go deeper into in a variety of different ways and it might be different for you and different for me and that's okay because it's still the same faith. And that's what Paul's trying to get across to the Galatians, especially as it relates to the Jewish and non-Jewish side of it. Look what he says next. Paul, he's talking about Paul interacting with the Jewish disciples of Jesus. He's Jewish, but he's also talking about Jesus' original disciples. He said, I talked to them, and they saw that God had given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews, for the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle of the Jews also worked through me as the apostle of the Gentiles. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying, Peter was called to go help Jewish people start to follow Jesus. Some of those Jewish people brought in, carried over some of their religious traditions and some of their preferences and some of their holidays. And that's okay, it's not required, but if they wanted to, that's fine. And I went and spoke to non-Jews and I did not ask them to adopt any Jewish rituals or holidays or anything like that. And that's fine too. Because it's the same Jesus. And it's okay if different cultures and people groups practice their Christianity a little differently based on their traditions and their preferences. We get into a problem when we start requiring those add-ons as necessary to each other. See, it's easy to find unity with people that we share tradition with or that we share culture with, or that we come from a similar ethnic background. The harder work is finding unity where people have different traditions and different practices and and different preferences. And that's the second way that we can hold strongly to a simple faith. It's through this. Work hard for unity in the essentials. Simple faith is about saying, here's what it is. Jesus died for our sins. God planned it. He's here to rescue us. And we should give God the glory. We should live for God. That is where we find the unity. Because it's easy for us to divide on everything else. Now, a second irony when we're studying Galatians is that Christians are actually divided on what Paul is talking about in Galatians. There are two different groups that argue about what Galatians is actually all about. That is the biggest irony of this whole thing. Let me share with you quickly these two camps because if you read about this, if you study about it anymore, you'll probably pick up on these two themes that these different groups have. Here's the first one. The first one is that, that Paul is talking about faith versus works. And in this view, Galatians is about people who thought 
that if they do a bunch of good works, they can be saved and forgiven by God. And Paul is saying, salvation is not about what you do for God, it's what God did for you. Salvation is not about our good works, it's about how Jesus died for our sins. And so in this view, people are saying what Paul is arguing is that Jewish people practice Jewish law in order to earn their way to God. But now that Jesus has come, now it's by faith. It's salvation is by faith. And you don't have to do Jewish law anymore because it's really about having faith in Jesus. That's one view. The other view is that Paul is not talking about faith versus works. Paul is talking about identity. As a Jewish man and as a Jewish rabbi and leader, he knew Jewish people don't practice Jewish law in order to get saved. Judaism has always been about faith. It goes all the way back to Father Abraham, who was made right with God because of faith, not law and not works. This book is not about, in this view, faith versus works. It's about how can you tell if someone belongs to the people of God. Because back in that day, you could look around and you could tell who belonged to God's people. The men don't cut their beards. The women cover their hair. The families eat kosher. They don't work on Saturdays. And the men in the faith have a snip, snip, right? Like that's, and, and in that day, they were not above checking if there was any question. That's how you could tell. How could you tell if somebody was a true believer? You could tell by what they ate and how they dressed and what they had on their body and what their calendar looked like. And what Paul is saying in this letter, according to this view, is that's not how you can tell if someone's a person of faith. It doesn't matter what day of the week they worship or what they wear or whether their head's covered or uncovered or whether they have tattoos or they don't have tattoos. It's not about that. It's about something else. What's it about? Paul said it in the beginning. Jesus gave his life for our sins to rescue us from this evil world. Let's give God the glory. That's what it's about. Now, out of these two views, faith versus work or identity, which one is right? Well, we don't know <laughs> because there's this debate among Christians. They might say, well, which one do you believe, Jason? Doesn't matter because the point of Galatians is still the same and that is this. Unity does not equal uniformity. We can have different beliefs about theological topics, about what we wear, about the kind of music we listen to, about translations, about politics, about all kinds of things. We can have different views. We don't have to be identical. What we need to be is unified in the basics, in the core of the faith. So it's a challenge that I have for, for you, uh, for all of us. Find at least one shared essential with someone you have disagreement with. Let me, let me show you. This is how we summarize the good news of Jesus or the, the gospel here at Journey of Faith. It's these four ideas. We were created by God in love. We're flawed and imperfect. Jesus rescues us from sin. We can live as God's new creation. 
when you're interacting with anybody, religious, non-religious, where can you find essentials in the gospel with them? Because it lets you know what the next step is. Uh, Almost every religious person that I talk to, no matter what religion they're in, I can usually find this as an essential. We might disagree on how we were created or what we mean by the word God, but we could probably agree on that in some general way. The second one, I can find agreement with almost everybody, religious and non-religious. I can ask an atheist or or an agnostic, hey, do you think we're flawed and imperfect? And they're kind of like, amen, yes, absolutely. So, I mean, you can find a lot of agreement on that. This is usually one that, that leads to something different. If I can find agreement in these two, now I know I can move on to this one. And I can say, let's start talking about who Jesus is and, and what you believe about Jesus and why Jesus came. This last one is much more an instance of our choice. If I believe these are all true, now I have a decision to live as part of this new thing that God is doing. And that might be some of you here today. Maybe you say, I do believe I'm made by God in love. I believe we all are. And I believe I'm imperfect, I'm flawed. As Jesus, Jesus used the word sin to describe that. And I do believe what Jesus did in his life and dying on the cross and then what it says about him rising, I, I do think that holds the key to my life being differently. Now we're at that point though. You can take a step and believe. And maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe today is that moment of decision where you're like, I believe all these things, I just haven't said yes. And I want to encourage you to say yes today. After our service, when you go pick up a Bible or we're going to have our prayer team down here by our cross here at Torrance. Or maybe there's somebody you came with or someone had invited you to church, you could talk to them. Hey, I want to make a decision to say yes to start living that simple faith. Not a complicated faith with all the bells and whistles and all the other stuff that us religious people tend to attach as essential, but a simple faith. And how can the rest of us keep it simple as we're trying to share God's good news with people? Here's what we talked about today. We can follow Jesus best by holding strongly to a simple Faith, how? Believe the good news without the add-ons. Go for Jesus, not Jesus plus. And then work hard for unity in the essentials. It's okay that we can have different takes on things. Let's stay unified in that core of what Jesus is all about. That's what it means to believe the good news. Now, there's probably some of you that are like, there is more than that, right? I mean, there, there are some things we should be doing and not doing. There is moral decisions, right? There are, there are some things we should avoid and there are some things that we should be doing that are very Christian, yes. And we're gonna get into that next week. And we're gonna be going through five weeks of this together. So read Galatians, get into it, start reading it. And when we come together, we're gonna have a great shared experience. Let's all stand as we close our service today. I'll have you stand over at Torrance. Again, if you're new with us, thanks for being with us. We'd love to get to know you more. You can head out to our connections area after the service. If you'd like prayer for something, our prayer team is here. Let me close us in prayer. God, thank you for a simple faith. Uh, God, forgive us for complicating things. For complicating things not only for ourselves, but for the people that we want to talk to about Jesus. Um, God, it's so easy for us to add things on. 
Help us through the next five weeks to simplify because we're on mission. God, help us not to help people follow our preferences. Help us to help people follow Jesus. Keep that as our focus. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a great week.